Hello, friends. Welcome to the Nexus Podcast. I'm your host, James Dice. Each week, I fire questions at the leaders of the smart buildings industry to try to figure out where we're headed and how we can get there faster without all the marketing fluff. I'm pushing my learning to the limit, and I'm so glad to have you here following along. Episode 56 is a very enlightening conversation with Sabine Lamb, Google's Building Operating System Global Lead for Real Estate and Workplace Services. We unpacked what the Building Operating System is, the goals Google has that depend on it, and what needs to change about how buildings are built in order to enable it. I love Sabine's practical approach that seems to be necessitated by sheer scale and just not being able to put up with a lot of the BS in our industry because of that. Without further ado, please enjoy Nexus Podcast, episode 56. Hello, Sabine. Welcome to the show. Can you introduce yourself? Hi, James. Thank you so much for having me on this show. I'm actually very much looking forward to this podcast and providing some good information here about what we do at Google. But as an introduction, I'm, I'm Sabine Lam. I'm a technology program manager at Google in the real estate and workplace services team. So you'll, you'll hear me talk about RUS, that's real estate workplace services. And I've been championing our effort, the program around building operating system with a team of different Googlers from different organizations, how to move forward and, and implement an infrastructure, a digital building infrastructure for Google portfolio. So very much focused on our portfolio, a Google solution for our corporate real estate, really. So that's what is bringing me here today. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and we talked to Keith Berkeben back in November on the podcast. So anyone that hasn't listened to that episode, he's, he works with you, I'm assuming. That was back, back in episode 29, I think. That was one of our most popular episodes. So I've been wanting to get some another Googler back onto the show sometime. Yeah. Yeah, we, we have a few of us on, on here. So he's definitely, he was focused on the digital building ontology. Mm-hmm. I'm more representative of the facilities and the real estate team on the roof side and kind of turning turning to our networking and security and engineering team to provide a solution for Ruse. So yeah, that's, that's, I work very closely with, with Keith for sure. Got it. So before we get into all that, uh, we're going to unpack quite a bit, which I'm really excited to do. Can you talk about your background? How did you get here today? Yeah, actually that, that I think it's slightly different from potentially what you've heard so far, quite varied background. I, graduated with electrical engineering degree in France and came to the land of opportunities in the Bay Area to work for Xilinx, which is a semiconductor company. So they, they make FPGAs, which are filled programmable gate arrays, little chips with millions of transistors that you can program to do any function you want to do. Okay. So it's really nice to drive innovation. You can install them and reprogram them. So it really is installed in a wide range of industries and technology. Right now you would hear about them on the consumer market, cars, cloud. At the time I was focused on digital signal processing, applied to video processing and telecommunication. So it was all about creating a library of solutions or IP for compression, decompression, transform. We developed a solution for 3G based station at the time. So, you know, and as I thought about it, I'm like, okay, here's a few buzzwords that are actually used today for building related buzzwords. So, you know, transformation is one thing, but 
adaptability where you can reprogram the, the, the FPGAs to do something different. So adjusting, and then obviously digital as in digital, you know, digital building as opposed to digital signal processing, but the understanding that technology can do amazing things, right? And so I think that gave me that view of the world of this little tiny chip here can do amazing, amazing, and you know, has amazing capabilities. And, and then sometime when I look at the building automatic, you know, <laughs> building automation system, like, you know, I think, I think we can do more, right? So they, mm -hmm. they, they always wanting more out of this. In the process, so I worked for Zanix for 12 years and during that time I had three kids. So I, oh, I got wow. to the point where work and kids was too much and I stopped working for seven years um, to, to raise my kids and work on the other side of my brain. So I, I focused on woodworking and glass blowing and cool. you know, we remodeled our house and I bought, you know, built my cabinets and furniture, poured concrete, did all kind of really fun kind of 3D things. That was that was really really entertaining and rewarding in some ways. Definitely yeah. not a good place to make a living. It's really hard to make a living in anything that's kind of artistic related. And then I quickly realized that I had to go back into, if I ever wanted to go back in high tech, I kind of had to get back into it. So after six years or so, I started looking for a job and took some classes for lead, leadership in energy and environmental design, PMP, et cetera. And it took me a while, but I did get a job at Google as an intern of all things. So remember when the movie, The Intern came out? Uh -huh. yeah. The 40 year old guy that were being an intern, that was me. <laughs> uh, so I came in, actually a neighbors of ours, um, Mary Davidge was working for Google as a green team consultant. And she's actually very well known for the workplace you know, environment. And so Mary hired me to develop a solution around healthy material. So at the time, we wanted to make sure that every construction material in our building did not contain chemicals of concerns. So we created a database of those uh, material, like the paint, the carpet, the table, this and that, and, and reached out to the manufacturer to understand what was the composition of that material. And was there any chemicals of concern within, within that material? If there was chemicals of concerns, we could not install it in our building. And so it was really just creating this database with, you know, interaction between the manufacturer and adding their information and then the construction team who then could pull from that list of material to decide what to install within the building. And a really cool thing about it is uh, you realize that the industry did not know what was in their, in, in their paint, right? They had no idea and they had never looked into it. And they had to go down to talk to their supply chain to find out well, what is this made of? And when they realized what it was made of and realized that it was bad for the environment, bad, bad for your health, bad for all those different reasons, they actually changed it. And yeah. so that was kind of my introduction to Google who like, you know, so much as in the high tech world, semiconductor world, you, you zero in on one solution, you work as fast as you can on that one solution and you hope to be first to market. With Google, you have that opportunity to look at everything. And so we looked at every single material. Can you imagine in the building, you have millions, you know, thousands of material. You look at everything and you see which industry is actually willing to make a change. And so we made a lot of progress with paints and with carpets and, you know, some of the furniture. And right there, just, you know, influence the industry to produce better material and create a better environment for the employees. And so this was called the healthy material tool or portico. From there, I moved into a team called uh, Technology Program Manager, which is I'm, I'm still in that team today. But we work with different 
business within Ruse and the team I work with was the facilities team. And so I'm joke about it, but about five years ago is when I learned how to spell BMS and, and understand <laughs> HVAC system. So, you know, and work with a facilities team around what tool might they need to be more efficient with the operation of the building. And around that time, I started working with Kathy Fangton, which you mentioned earlier. And Kathy has a lot, uh, you know, more bench depth in construction and operation and building operation, et cetera. And so we started looking at how do we make our building better in many different ways and kind of focus on this digital building concept and creating a solution for Google. So Kathy and I and a few other from different organizations created this program that we call the BOSS program, Building Operating System program, and kind of like bottom up, right, decided to focus on it, propose a solution, or at least highlight where the concerns are, propose a solution and move forward. And then since then, this program has um, grown quite a bit, you know, and we're starting to have solutions that are worth sharing. And yeah, that's where I am today. And, you know, as mentioned, I mentioned earlier, I want to impress with, I don't have the depth and I'm not going to impress with what happened in the past. That's not, that's not me, but certainly for how we move forward, what's done today and how we move forward and, you know, kind of moving OT towards this IT world. There's a lot of interesting things that we're doing that I think I can share information on. So. Yeah. I'm excited for you to do that. That's a really cool background. So I'm assuming you learned when you were going through all the different off-gassing for lack of a better term of all the materials, you probably learned that Google has quite a bit of pull in terms of the supply chain, right? The scale of Google, right? Are you able to take those sort of lessons and apply them to what you're doing now with buildings? Yeah. So it's it's exactly the same thing. You feel like you're tackling an impossible problem Mm -hmm. because you're looking at such a broad set of solution or in our case now we're looking at such a broad set of manufacturer and so many devices in our building and every building is different how can you ever address that and i think the experience with the healthy material was very similar we just address everything and then move forward with whomever is willing to move forward with you right and it it could be at a regional level or certain manufacturer understand what you want to accomplish they totally buy into it and they move forward some others not so much you keep them up to date, but you don't hold back. You just move forward with whomever is willing to move forward. And so that absolutely applies with the building operating system solution that we have today, you know, and our involvement with manufacturers and within Google as well. We'll see how different region move at different speed, hmm. different construction team move at different speed, different facilities, operation team embrace the solution more than others. That's quite interesting. And so yeah. we're large enough that we always find someone who's interested and we have work to do, right? Yeah. And we were talking a little bit before we hit record about how I feel like you guys are one of the first ones that are sort of pushing the marketplace a little bit in a bunch of different ways. But one of the reasons I'm really excited about that is I feel like there's been a lot of obviously inertia and sort of slow movement from, uh, you know, vast quantities of people in our supply chain and buildings, right? And so once once they realize that they can't get jobs unless they start to meet some of these criteria, I think that's going to be an important driver for change in the industry. But care is quite important, right? It, when you talk to a manufacturer and you have a 1 million square feet project at the end of the tunnel, do you yeah. want to work with us to be able to bid on this project or you don't want to work with us? You know, and, and, and for us, at least for, you know, for this team that's leading the program, it's all about being technology agnostic. You know, we, we just look for the best solution. 
the latest and the best solution that, uh, that follows our, our criteria. And those criteria are always evolving. So it's, it's never a stable solution. Even when you're in, you're not in forever, right? We'll, we'll, we'll continue to evaluate the solutions against others. And so it's an interesting position to be at Google for sure. I, I recognize there's things we can do that a lot of other companies can't necessarily do, right? But uh, hopefully we're using it the right way. Yeah. I feel the company we work with, and, you know, and, and we'll go through what is important to Google, but one of them being cybersecurity, it's a win-win situation. Anyone we work with that is going to focus on making their device more cybersecure is going to serve the entire the, the entire industry, right? It's not just specific to Google, so. Absolutely. I yeah, love it. Before we get into that, can you talk just like give people context on the actual portfolio itself? Like all I know is there's a ton of buildings, you guys are doing a ton of construction and there's also a lot of data centers. <laughs> That's all I know. Can yeah. you give us a little bit more context? Yeah, 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 exactly. So we're saying Google is big. Well, how big is it? You know, we're shy of 700 buildings. So that is not including data center. The data center is managed very separately from corporate real estate. So I'll, again, I'll focus on corporate real estate. Mm -hmm. So, you know, short of 700 buildings across 54 countries, 200 cities, uh, close to 200 cities for about 40 million square feet of, um, yeah. of real estate space. And I believe, I mean, I've heard we're one of the largest real estate owner in the U.S. So that gives us quite a large footprint. Some of it is leased, some of it is owned. Some of it is full tenant. Some of it is just a few floors. It's really a mixed bag of types of buildings, size, location. And then, you know, some buildings we operate, some buildings the landlord operates. So there's just about everything out there for us to play with. And, and the solution we're putting together is for the entire portfolio. So there's nothing, no building left behind okay. as, far as, as far as we're concerned. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, you know, the other concept, the other concept is every Googler is important. We can't focus on one region more than another. You know, we could never go and say, you are more important in this region than you are in this other region. And so we're really trying to be, Google is big in equity and, you know, all, all that stuff. And it applies to our building strategy as well. So that's cool. quite interesting too. Really cool. Um, so let's kind of dig into it. So I want to start with like the overall sort of technology vision. You guys call it digital buildings. So like, what's the, what are you trying to accomplish with technology in your buildings? Yeah. So I thought I'd pull out my mission statement because you know how hard it is to put a mission to statement together and then you never use it so here's my chance to use it uh, for, so for, <laughs> i'll just read the sentence and then pull out like four main points that are very representative of what we're trying to accomplish but it's to maximize the value of google real estate investment by securely connecting spaces to enable data-driven execution and tailored user experience and so the very first one is the value of, of Google real estate. And basically it relates to the 10 plus billion dollar investment that we have in real estate and data center. And so how do we make sure that we get the most value throughout the life cycle of the building and avoid any kind of negative spend while we're optimizing the space and the health and the, and the performance, right? So that's kind of maximizing the value of that expense. Securely connecting spaces. I mean, security is... Number one, I would say that is what is moving this program forward. You know, the force behind it is definitely coming from the cybersecurity aspect of it. You know, that is a problem that's well understood by our security and networking team, and they have the power to move it forward. Almost right. ahead of how real estate team is realizing the value of it. You know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. pushed by security more so than 
the operation team realizing how much of a difference we can make. So that, that is a securely connecting the spaces is around connecting each building, the floor, the equipment. And you think of it as, you know, it's not looking at one building anymore. We're looking at campuses like San Jose where you have mixed use spaces and multitude of spaces that are much more complex than just one building. And, and so how do you integrate the transportation program and the food and everything in a very secure way? The other one is to enable data-driven execution. Of course, you know, Google, we like data, we make data-driven decisions. And so how do we get access to this data for the entire portfolio, knowing that every one of our buildings is different? Pull this information, make it available in one, in one place and make decisions out of, of that information. And then tailored user ex experience, this is really the ruse aspect of it, right? Adapting the building for an optimal experience and, and productivity to the Googlers. So that's a mission statement and really four points. The way we're going about it is really, again, delivering cyber compliant solution, collecting that data and to get inside of the physical space and then supporting innovation. And that goes into, again, you know, two more categories. There's the campus vision from the real estate team and then there's the operational efficiency. Now the campus vision is the space has to be adaptable. We have mixed use spaces. We want to use the space during the day and at night in different ways, right? Again, when you think about San Jose, there'll be a mix of public open space along with very private, you know, work areas. There are restaurants and stores and I think art centers and, you know, lodging area and an office, you know, and all of them are mixed together. And there's the concept of, we're spending a lot of money in those offices. Why are we only using them from eight to five? Can we use now that space in the evening? But the space that was like a tech talk, tech center during the day, can that become like a theater at night, right? Okay. Or like, how do you change that space to utilize it 24 seven if we can, or at least more than one hour? So the private space has to become a public space. This eight to five pre-program of, of your you know, HVAC system won't, won't work. Your building needs to adjust and adapt to the way it's occupied. There's a lot around adaptability of the space, around you know, minimizing the environmental footprints that's kind of related to sustainability and making the experience for the Google just a fantastic experience so they can come and be productive and collaborate with other Googlers. So that's all like the, the campus vision. On the operational side, it's around, again, you know, controlling cybersecurity. So you'll see that, you know, there's a lot of work around moving all those devices onto our corp network. So we have visibility and manageability of all those systems. We don't believe in just putting them on the side and trying to ignore it, hmm. that we want to see them. And along the way, if we're going to see them, it has to be done. We have some requirement that those systems need to meet. And then the support costs. So everything around predictive real-time response and predictive analysis and forecasting, et cetera, for the operation. So how to use the data for optimized operation. Yeah, so that's a high level, like what is driving the effort and you know, the way to get there requires change, right? It requires change to the way we build our building and that's complex. <laughs> and I think you, you put one of that slide, I feel like we've used that slide for years now where we have the vertical versus the horizontal uh -huh. and it's just a very simple slide, but it is a very, you know, real and still applicable slide that we are living by. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really helpful to hear like the outcomes you're going for. 
especially before we dive into like the the nerdier type of stuff. Real quick though, I've been writing and sort of digging into this 24/7 clean carbon free energy goal that Google has put out. How does that relate to the goals you're trying to accomplish in in your group? Are they tied together in some way? How, how do you think about that? So yeah, it, you know, one of the goal for 24/7 means that every hour of every day of every year, you need to know what your consumption is, right? So you can so, so you can eliminate it and you can source enough carbon-free energy nearby, so within the same location or region at every hour of the day. Well, how do we know our energy consumption every hour of the day? Today we we don't know it, you know. I mean, and previous goals have been around in 2007 we talk about being carbon neutral. That was that was an the concept was to offset emission. So at the time, we would just know, okay, how, how much energy have we spent for the entire year? And you just go to your PG&E bills or whatever the landlord charged you, you add that up and then you purchase enough carbon offsets and renewable energy to bring kind of your net operational emission, emissions to zero. So that was like, that was from 2007 on. Then it was 100% renewable since 2017. And it was about reducing emissions. So again, that one was about purchase, purchasing enough renewable energy to match the annual electricity use, but that was on an annual basis, maybe monthly basis, right? So we've been tracking consumption on a monthly basis. Some of it a little bit automated, a lot of it just, hello facilities, can you fill up this form and tell me what your PG&E bill looks yeah. like, right? Mm -hmm. and, and fill it here manually, right? And if you don't enter it, somebody's, well, you can't do that if it's 24 seven, we need to automatically get access to that information. And so the infrastructure we're putting in place is about putting some hardware within the building that is capable of sending the data directly to our cloud on an hourly basis. With that, it also means negotiation with with a landlord, right? Because yeah. like I say, we have lease, lease building. How do we get access to that information? So there's a lot of effort around the, the clause that we include in our lease negotiation. And I think that's a very powerful one too. And then the, the landlord should start becoming familiar with that, right? We are now requesting that our space are cyber secure, that we get access to data and, and wherever possible that we operate our building. We feel like we have a lot more opportunity if we can operate our buildings or at least our floors. Hmm. And so we have, we organize kind of our portfolio in different models. So there's a model that, are, that is fully operated by the landlord there's only so much we can do, but at least, you know, here are best practices. Please keep our Googlers safe <laughs> and follow those guidelines, right? And But yeah. there's nothing we can really enforce. It's not ours. We can't see the data. So it's just a high-level conversation. And then there's models where we can operate our Google floors or operate the entire building. Okay. For all models, whatever we're not operating, we're still asking the landlord to give us access to some level of data. I think energy data, you know, is not a complex one that the landlord would argue against where it becomes more controversial potentially is when we start looking at HVAC data and you know and, and others where I think it comes across as a threat as opposed to an opportunity we have you know we're looking at our, our entire portfolio we might find things in this building we want to understand how our building are, how well our building are, is operating and likely we can return information to the landlord saying maybe you're, you're doing well you're not doing well you know can you you know improve here or there. But yeah, absolutely. The sustainability goal, you know, sustainability has always been a core value to, to Google for, for decades. And I think now it's required, requiring technology for us to, to pass it. You know, we're claiming 2030, 
we got to get stuff in place um, in time to to prove it. Yeah, I think I think this is an area where, you know, the Biden administration has come out and said they're going to try to do this in federal buildings as well. This is an area where it's just my opinion, my assessment of the, the smart buildings nerds don't quite uh, grasp the connection between what they do and these 24-7 goals. So if that's you out there, like start wrapping your head around this because it's it's definitely coming. It's one also that you can easily measure. And so I kind of have mixed feeling about it because I feel just saving energy for your building is not a, there's much more complex goal. So you look at it, you, you, have you seen, you've seen the 330, 300? Yep. Yeah. And so are you addressing the $3 square foot? In itself, the ROI of it is not mind boggling. Sustainability is a much better story than energy saving, I think. Yeah. And so you want to do well for the environment. As far as Google, Google goes, the, the saving on the energy itself is not a driving factor. I could never go to my CFO and say, oh, look, I'm saving 30% of 0.001% of your spending. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, but is, is the right story. That's what we are trying to achieve. And, and, and we do. And, and it's one that's quite easy to measure. The one that's really hard to measure for us is Google our productivity, yeah. right? How do you measure it? How yeah. do you so, measure it? Uh, <laughs> well, Googlers have been working very well from home. So, you know, I, you know that we do, we've done a lot of surveys. So we do a lot of surveys. And so when, during work from home, you can look at line of codes, you can look at men mental health, a lot of conversation between manager and Googlers. And so it's hard to measure it with data, but you certainly can measure it based on people, mental, mental health, code, you know, released, things reviewed, et cetera. And, and we measured it back, back when we were in the office, we've been measuring it throughout the time where we were in, at home and adjusted our approach as a result of, you know, those surveys. Everything, you know, is we're trying to understand and, and, and provide the best solution and yeah, around that. So cool. And, and real quick, before we kind of dive in, what did you learn from this, this measuring during COVID besides, you know, that Googlers were productive <laughs> at home? I, I, I actually don't think I'm allowed to talk about all those, oh, okay. all those aspects. So I'd rather not, but, you know, I think different jobs do better than others working from mm -hmm. home. And the, the result is we're going to have a mixed, mixed model for returning to the office. So we certainly learned that we don't need to be in the office five days a week, but we still want to be in the office. There's plenty that needs to be done. You know, we, we've heard, heard Sundar's kind of talk about it a little bit and, and, and the, the, it's evolving as we learn more. I think this, we're really looking to provide flexibility, but. Yeah, evolving, evolving, evolving. That's like yeah, exactly, never, always change. Yes, yes. Hey guys, just another quick note from our sponsor, Nexus Labs, and then we'll get back to the show. This episode is brought to you by Nexus Foundations, our introductory course on the smart buildings industry. If you're new to the industry, this course is for you. If you're an industry vet but want to understand how technology is changing things, this course is also for you. The alumni are raving about the content, which they say pulls it all together, and they also loved getting to meet the other students on the weekly Zoom calls and in the private chat room. You can find out more about the course at courses.nexuslabs.online. All right, back to the interview. So I want to dive into like the, you, so you talked about like the outcomes you're trying to enable. Let's talk about this, these three sort of specific goals that sort of enable those outcomes, right? So 
and I'm kind of keying in on an article that we'll link to that you wrote for automated buildings or you and your team did for automated buildings, which has the slide that you referenced earlier on it. So whatever order you want to tackle them in, I, I want to dive into those sort of three, because I think these are the sorts of changes that you guys are driving on a project by project basis sort of around the world right now, it seems like. Right. And so the, the reference we're making between the vertical and horizontal is, you know, the systems are on their own, they're siloed it's really hard to integrate. And if you, even if you integrate it for one building, it's really hard to redo it at scale. So we're not, we're not going to spend too much time about that. I think most people understand the, the, the problem. When we look at horizontal infrastructure, it means that the bottom layer of the stack is all, all those devices. Yeah. And so what we're putting in place is, you know, we're saying those devices, we're trying to be as technology agnostic as possible. We want to get raw data from those devices directly. And we want to make sure they're cyber secure. So we have very clear standards around performance-based standards that is shared with the construction team that specifies what we're trying to accomplish with those systems okay. and the IoT security requirements. And so the IoT security requirements are quite complex. There's actually a list of 100 plus tests that we do for every single IP connected devices. Wow. And so in order to automate it, Trevor Pairing, I'm sure you'd love talking to him, by the way, Trevor Pairing created this platform called DAC, Device Automated Qualification. Okay. And that platform allows you to create tests for those devices. You just connect the device to your laptop and run those tests. So you have, anyone has the ability to create a test of their interest. We have a hundred for Google, but maybe another real estate owner has, you know, other things they want to test. They have the ability to write that, the code for that test and automatically run it on the device. So cool. at this point, out of the 100 tests, some of them have to be manual. About 40% of it is automated. Manufacturer can use this DAC solution and pre-test their device if they mm -hmm. wanted to. We're not quite there yet, but that is ideally what we want to enable. It, it is on GitHub, so it's public and anyone can use it no one has jumped on it and want to do it themselves. They tend to send the device to us and we have qualification lab that okay. go through the hundred tests and have it, you know, all the way through security review, pen testing and all kinds of things we're doing before the device is considered qualified. And there's two types of qualification. One is cyber compliant and one is what we call smart ready. The smart ready device they are capable of sending data to cloud. And that's using MQTT, you know, in the UDMI format. So the device is smart enough to send the data to cloud directly and a cloud IoT. And from cloud IoT, we take the data into our data platform. Okay. If the systems, you know, a lot of IP devices don't necessarily have the capability to send data to cloud, they can also connect to a gateway. And now we have smart ready gateway. So think of the sustainability, the meter is connected to a smart ready gateway, like a, you know, I'm not going to give names. So you connect to a gateway and the gateway sends the data to cloud. Technology that is not, up, you know, that doesn't have the capability still can connect serially to another and send the data. So, okay. so one layer is, the, you know, the bottom layer is the, the hardware and there's a lot of conversation with manufacturer and, you know, most are very happy to work with us uh, because we are teaching them, at least sharing good practices that are valuable for them. The network is Converge Network. So we are putting all those devices on the, on the Google corporate network. We don't believe into OT. We believe that we have a networking team that, that is very strong at supporting the IT network. And there's a segment for it that will be for the OT, the operational technology. But that same team will be able to manage both. 
okay. um, and, and, and kind of push the technology to really enforce IT principles to the uh, operational technology. That doesn't surprise me at all. And you've probably learned that there are people in the industry that want to keep them separate and, you know, thinking that well, way. I understand it, right? I mean, our IT team, they look at the device and are like, seriously, the, this is version four Android? <laughs> How is that happening? You know, there are things that, are, that it's just so far from the IT world. There's so many things that have to improve that it is, it makes sense to put in a, if you want to ignore it, it makes sense to put it on a separate network. The problem is then somebody hacks it, you don't know it. And that's a problem for us. You know, we think as far as PR goes, whether someone hacks the HVAC system and doesn't touch Google data, doesn't matter. We've been hacked. Bottom line, we've been hacked and it's a problem. Mm. And so we want visibility of all of it and access to the data as well. And, and, and we believe that the industry is right for implementing those IET kind of principles. Password, you know, a little posted by the side of your laptop, not really a good idea. <laughs> Here's the technology requirement. Here's how we're going to track passwords for every single one of our buildings. So we're putting like very clear solution, remote access, unmanaged network removed, you know, 3G not okay. There's a lot of things that are not okay. And we're providing solution for the operational world while being quite aware that it's an industry that cannot meet all those IT requirements mm. right away, right? So very pragmatic about how we can get there. And so, so you add a layer of security. If a device cannot be secure, then the network has to do more. And then as you send the data, then there's more layer. There's many, many layer of security to provide the secure environment. Not one thing is enough. But yeah, we work with vendors that can actually get there. But certainly narrows the pool of system we can pick from. So it's kind of a natural standardization for our portfolio. Whereas right now, total snowflake, right? Every building has something different. It, it, I think naturally will be a little more standardized towards solution that Mm -hmm. can meet the requirement and it's not all of them, right? So yeah, okay. So that's, that's the um, device layer. What's the, what's the next layer up from well, that? The, the device layer, the networking layer, connectivity layer was the second one. And okay. I said, it's software-defined network on, on faucet. So mm-hmm. OT and IT on the same network. And then the data layer. So that's when you hear about the digital building ontology. How do we send the data in a way that we can normalize it and tag it so we can make sense of the information? This data layer not only has like the time series data and you know information of the registered devices and kind of relationship between all those devices. We can also augment it because it is within our environment. We can also augment it with metadata around, you know, and it's in this building and it's in this location. And here, you know, we have API to our facility, facilities API, HR API, potentially you know our badging. So we can com- complement the information with a lot of. PII information that we could not share with a third-party vendor. So that's another reason we want it internal to our company, right? There's a lot of solution out there with this horizontal layer. We're not the, you know, again, we're not trying to sell anything. We're doing it internally because we need to have access to data that is internal to Google and Mm -hmm. not shareable with any third-party vendor. Also, we don't want to pay a license for the rest of our life for, you know, such a large portfolio. Mm -hmm. And we think we're pretty darn good with understanding big data an analysis of that big data. So it's an interesting area for us to focus on. But the way we look at it, you know, it's, it's again, just so, I, you know, similarly to me not having a strong background and 30 years of experience in building automation system, 
the per the team that is creating this ontology or creating the solution has much more of an IT data modeling type of uh, background, but we're surrounding ourselves with really strong leader in the industry, right? So we're we don't have the the depth, but we're working very closely with people who do have the depth. But because we don't have the depth and we're not locked into one way of doing things, I think we can be very creative about how we address it slightly differently. And I mean, you know, we don't, we don't have to talk about Keith, the digital being ontology, you already have a podcast on all of that. But when you think about it, he came up with this ontology in a couple years and it's at the level where Haystack 4 is just about doing the same thing now with the relationship, right? And it took Haystack 10 to, I mean, that's, that's quite clever, right? To be able to get to a solution and there's, and we want alignment between the, the, between the different ontology and tagging approach. But I, I'm like, I'm quite impressed. Like you know, in two years, you came up with a solution that, you know, the industry has been working on for a while and, and we're not, you know, they're each learning from each other and each progressing with each other. So that's, that's, that's really good. Actually, I look at it as healthy competition, right? You, you want more than one solution. And you always take the best and learn from each other and, oh, and yeah. keep keep progressing. And Very so cool. I think, you know, DBO was inspired by Brick and Haystack and like potentially Haystack was inspired by Brick and DBO and, you know, and others. And, and that's mm -hmm. how we get to a better, a better solution. All right. So on top of the data layer, then we have a, an API okay. and that's where you, know, you run the application on top of it. And the application can be developed in house or it can be developed by a third party vendor. And that's, again, I think on the application level, an area where the industry has much more knowledge around, you know, potentially fault detection or different things than, than we have in-house. But, we, you know, we, develop, we can use machine learning in some ways and kind of come up with things that we just kind of throw the algorithm, you know, we throw machine learning on the big data, on a lot of data and all the anomalies show up and they happen to be exactly the same as what somebody wrote through, like, you know, pre-coded algorithm right of, of finding mm -hmm. faults so it, it's quite interesting the way we look at it so what we've put in place is standards we have qualification lab we are using open standards you know mqtt is open gdmi dbo is released dac is released and there's nothing we're doing that is proprietary and i think that when we have it we share it and it could be implemented on any platform. It's also not technology specific. It's not specific to GCP. It, the same thing, the same horizontal platform can work on AWS or, or others. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, the, you know, the, the very first part, the device connectivity, the data, the data platform, I call that the infrastructure. That's what we need to get in place. And the first two bottom layers, what we need to put in our building during construction. So new construction is very much following some of the standard existing building as well. If we can go back, we, you know, we, we want to make sure that those devices are moved over to our, to our network. And so we are also addressing our portfolio of existing buildings with a similar approach. Okay. So is this the, when you guys say building operating system, is this the, these, I guess, four layers you've talked about, is that the building operating system? Yeah, pretty much. I, I think it's the three layers that makes it the building operating system. Okay. And then, and then the application runs on top. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's a group of, yeah, we look at it. It's a program. It's not one solution. It's a program of many products and combination of product to create a solution. And yeah. Yeah. Very cool. 
And when I read that article that you wrote, it, it's very clear how much open source is a part of your approach. Cause like you can do a control F uh, search for open source in that article. And it's like at every layer in multiple places. So that, that's really cool. I think we're gonna be able to benefit as an industry a lot from what you guys are putting together. Right. Can you talk about the, the bulk of that article that I wanted to dig into a little bit more with you was this changing role of the MSI. So given the context of what you guys need in your building, what are you asking of service providers and contractors to help you get there? Right, right. So, you know, the, the MSI, and again, I won't pretend to know what MSI have been doing. I will just tell you what we want them to do. And so, you know, it's, I use the word evolving, but it is kind of definitely focused on the security and data-driven focus where we're trying to move away from OT protocols and, and replace it all with, you know, communicating with MQTT, UDMI. And so forget BACnet, forget BACnet SE. We need the MSIs to understand MQTT. We need them to understand how to register devices in cloud, how to verify that the data is communicating into cloud and, you know, that the, the, the data is available on the cloud. And so I kind of break it into three categories. There's a security aspect of it. They are, in our world, they are responsible for reviewing the drawings and ensuring that the technology selected is qualified or at least qualifiable and potentially even they are the one qualifying those devices. Hmm. And so they work very closely with our digital building consultant. The digital building consultant understand what we're trying to accomplish with this building and the use cases, and they kind of propose some solution. The MSI is the one who understand our standards really well hmm. and ensure that the solution has been selected can at least be qualified or they can qualify it or we send it to a lab and we qualify it ourselves. But the, the result has to be that the solution is qualified. And then that solution is capable of sending data to, to cloud. On the data modeling side of it, they are the one that are creating our billing model config file. And so... They are the one that take the information from either the BMS or others and creating a building config file. In, it just happens to be in a YAML format in our world. So how you map this information to our digital building ontology, put it in the proper format so we can ingest it into our data lake. And that's a role that is 100% MSI role, very, very manual today. And yeah. it has to change. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is not possible. You know, it's, it's a one-time potentially works very error prone. And so the, I think that's the biggest gap. And, uh, and I think the, the industry realized that, that the, this data mapping and modeling is the biggest gap and, and, and the hardest thing to maintain during the whole life cycle of the building. Right now we're throwing MSIs at it. And then I realized they have to stay. Once the building opens, yeah. the MSI almost needs to stay around, right? To update the information as we go. So you know, model the building, validate the, the information is, is valid and match the as is, right? So the functional description is just aligned with the as built and, and trying to come up with methodology to, to ensure the quality of um, the solution and, and lasting set of information is accurate. And then the onboarding, that's the concept of this. So yeah, security data modeling and then onboarding is kind of registering the device to cloud. So being familiar with cloud, understanding how do you, you know, provision those systems uh, on our network, how you onboard those devices uh, onto the cloud platform, things like that is also kind of their role. And so you, you didn't hear me talk about the application itself. It's all about yeah. provide the data in a format that I can do something cool with it. But don't worry about the cool part. 
just do yeah. the first part with you around. Got it. You, you mentioned that all the labor that goes into mapping points. So is that something that you guys are able to drive with these sort of manufacturer standards where we can start to have self-identifying, self-modeling type sort of interoperability, sort of machine to machine interoperability? Is that kind of where you're headed as far as forcing standards? So the modeling itself, we're not discussing modeling with a manufacturer themselves. It's more once the device is in place. It's like a pet peeve of mine, uh, the industry. I feel like it's something when we talk about interoperability, we're not putting enough onus on the manufacturers themselves to basically say, you guys need to adopt the modeling standards and then basically self-describe your stuff, right? Um, Right, right. So we're doing it in a way where we say, if your device is what we call smart ready, you know, you take the data and you send it to us in this UDMI format, universal device management interface, right? Which is not BACnet, but there's very few company or devices that are capable of doing, doing that. Right. And so the honest right now is definitely on the MSI to do a lot of the work and it's and manual work of data mapping, yeah. you know, here's what you get and here's how we want to call it and how we want to describe the type of device and that function of the device and how it's connected and what data points are for it. It's not totally. the manufacturer doing that for us. Yeah. And, and, and I think a lot of my frustration, it's like industry level, obviously, but I've also done a lot of that mapping myself. And so the frustration is like, I just don't want anyone else to do it anymore. Seriously. <laughs> like we shouldn't have to do this. And that's what I was telling you, you know, I think my background in digital signal processing, do you think when you have millions of transistors, do you think people manually do things? Like, no, you, you have an abstract level. Things are automated. You don't have people typing hundreds of lines of codes, right? You just have a library. It fits in. It knows what it needs to do. And it's yeah. fully automated. And so I'm appalled when I when I see what's going on. I'm like, what? And is that acceptable? This is not acceptable. And, and very quickly, it's just not scalable for Google. So I, it's not possible. Not only it's not acceptable, on top of that, I can't use it because our, our portfolio is global and it's 700 building and absolutely I cannot put enough people, you know, there's not enough people in the world to do it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not, but you know, I don't think everybody in the world wants to focus on manually creating this config file. Yeah. Yeah. I get, I get emails daily about people hiring integration engineers. You know, I love the emails because I love to see that the companies in my, you know, the Nexus network are growing and that's amazing. It's just like, it's tough to know that that's the work that we're hiring for. And I know there are very few people out there that are looking for a job and able to do that work as well. Yeah. So it's just such a huge bottleneck. Um, and I think they're doing that because they're solving for one problem for one building and it's not reproducible, right? And so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. So that was a fascinating look at all those layers. Thank you for taking us through that. So you mentioned, you know, at the top of the BOS is this API that then feeds the different applications. Can you talk about like what applications you're using? Are these dashboards, like reporting tools, FDD? Like, how, like what's the the application sort of stack look like? That what's the what's Google's app store <laughs> for for your building? So- not great (laughs) but well because here it is right the it would be i think the temptation is to develop the application i don't care about the application if i don't have my building data so please use my engineering resource 
to solve the hard problem of ingesting the data. Totally. And then I know what the, you know, we know what the use cases are and it, it looks great to have a dashboard and full detection, all that stuff. But honestly, there's a lot of solution out there and, I, and it is not the hardest problem. And so just like everybody else, who I think I was listening to a podcast about this shiny object. Well, this shiny object is absolutely taking your engineers away from the hard problem. And so that, that was kind of a definitely uh, hard to prioritize even within, you know, within Google and with our engineering team. Please ignore the application and the da pretty dashboard. Focus on ingestion. Focus on getting this DBO working, on automating this onboarding process, and getting data from my entire portfolio, not just from one, one region in the data platform. Absolutely. Then I know we'll do a lot of stuff. So this to provide an excuse to the fact that we don't have a lot of applications. But we have looked at machine learning, you know, anom anomaly detection with for full detection, and in, in area where in in buildings where we have data, the service provider is pulling data from the data lake, and you, you, you identify the type of area you're looking for, and so you search for a certain condition. Oh, just fault detection diagnosis. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So you know, as opposed to machine learning, it doesn't know anything. It's just finding what is yeah. functioning differently in one VAV versus the other, yep. and that's how it pulls it. Whereas the other one is saying, you know, if you, if the, you know, if it's hot and cold at the same time, you know, send me a, an alarm or something saying yep. I'm wasting energy. Anyway, so, so we're doing both at the same time and we can compare it. It's quite interesting. Cool. I think one that is very interesting and has been published, it's outside of our group. It's from, it is from DeepMind, the industrial adaptive control platform. Basically, the DeepMind has released this kind of real-time adjustment and optimization of um, central shield and, and hot water plants. Oh, okay. And so it, has, it was primarily implemented on data center, but now we are porting it to corporate real estate. And so that's AI-driven application. And the beauty of it is not only you analyze it, you actually turn around and overwrite the systems, yeah. which is where we want to go, right? You know, I talked about the, I talk about the layers as a one way, but yeah. the reality is we also come back down, right? But it, the solution we're providing is, is bidirectional, where yeah. the idea is we analyze the data and then we turn around and make those updates directly onto the controllers and kind of data set points or whatever we need to do real time. So, so this one is a, is one that has been, you know, part of the some of the announcement, saying that we're, you know, providing solution. This adaptive control platform is one of them that was developed, and okay. is being shared with different vendors and building management software providers and you know, data okay. center operators and, and others. But that's the only one that we have publicly announced and, and selling and sell uh, sold. On our side, yeah, there's dashboard, there's the sustainability team is interested in viewing the energy consumption. So we do a dashboard for them, but you know, that'll be kind of the next step in my mind. Again, I think we need, we need our building data. We need to prove that our stack is actually working at scale for many different types of building. And then we can, you know, we can go and have a lot of fun with the applications. And, you know, yeah. Just... How do you, how do you think about, and maybe you haven't yet, based on that answer you just gave, the employee-facing applications. So this is a very hot area right now, a bunch of companies getting invested in and bought and you know, all of the different, maybe you guys have your own already that you're planning on integrating in. So how, how do you think about that piece of it? As the employee controlling the, the environment? 
the environment, but also just like there's these, you know, that's one capability of that type of app. Others are just like wayfinding and access control through your phone, engagement, amenities, like those types of things that yeah. for the workplace. So that, that, that there is a lot, you know, there is work outside of this particular effort with wayfinding. You actually, you know, you, you just need to know the layout of the building and some data from, from your location. Mm-hmm. A big thing at Google is privacy. So tracking people is a hard thing to have approved from, from legal data privacy and, you know, employee policy and things like that. So we're trying to, trying to minimize that as much as possible. But yeah, the concept of, you know, where's your room and how you get to this, to this conference room based on where you are. Yeah. We have that solution internally. A lot of it is probably opt-in yeah. and then, you know, the, the badges, it's really hard to get information on who's in the building or not in the building. Again, it's kind of too much of tracking of the employees. Yeah. So we're, we're quite, we're doing it very consciously and, and very carefully and making sure that our employees and, and, you know, are okay with our approach anytime we do anything like that. But as far as, you know, getting the employees to uh, adjust, you know, the, the space to their preferences, it's certainly a long-term goal, but you talk to facilities, yeah. <laughs> they don't like that, you know, and, you, and sustainability, hmm, maybe not, you know, I'm going to come in, I'm going to, you know, blast the heater and then you're going to come after me and you're going to blast the cooler. Yeah. I don't think it's, you know, it might not be great. So uh, yeah, I would say, honestly, we haven't solved it for any of that. It's, it'd be great. I don't know if it's actually applicable to be confirmed. Totally. Yeah. This is awesome to hear. I just, I just feel like there's so much going on in that space right now that I, that not enough people are saying like, wait, like privacy or wait, do employees even want this? Like there's, there's a bunch of things that I'm just kind of like skeptical about that whole sphere on. So. I mean, even like the space, you know, if, 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 if we could just provide a consistent temperature within the building, yeah, just Let's do that, there. right? <laughs> yeah. Right there. Exactly. Yeah. I'll wear a turtleneck. You wear a t-shirt. I'm happy. You're happy. Everybody's happy. Just keep this consistent airflow and we're good to go. Yeah. The like, other like way- step two is then like, do that only when people are there right exactly only in the rooms that people are there on that's step two and like if we get there like we're still so long from getting there that it's like okay tell me when we're there and then now we can talk about something cooler than that (laughs) no yeah it always makes me laugh when we talk about facial facial recognition and it it can you know decide what mood you're in and what coffee you're going to need that morning and i'm thinking i don't know what coffee i want you know or if i want (laughs) coffee right now how can the machine does it? So yeah, we're quite, you know, I think we're quite pragmatic. And, and, and again, we can't, because we're looking at it for the entire portfolio, we just can't jump on one quick solution that sounds fun. Totally. It, it has to be proven. It has to be, there's a lot of, lot of testing, a lot of functional testing of the solution. You know, mm-hmm. what is the business case? Like we go through like quite a thorough process before we put something in our building, at least we try, you know, I don't know everything about all buildings, but that's the goal. Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah. well, this has been fascinating. What are you, what are you looking forward to the rest of the year? Oh, uh, well, can we go back into our buildings? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Getting, you know, leaving my house, cybersecurity priority. Number one, we got, you know, 
we have a lot of support in the area. So there's something we're going to be working on towards the end of the year and next year. Okay. 2021, you know, there's only six, seven months left. <laughs> yeah. It's almost over. What do you mean? How about 2022? <laughs> you're going you're to answer that, that one next. <laughs> so yeah, 2022 is, you know, this, the stack that we're talking about, we've proven it in a small area, let's, let's make sure like we can turn to the world and say, yeah, it's working. And here is, you know, half of our portfolio is on it and that's success. And if we can do it, then anybody can do it because we don't have an easy portfolio. Absolutely. Um, so that would be fun. And then, yeah, start focusing on some cool application if we can. Yeah. I mean, it would yeah. be a good sign that we've solved the, the other problems. All right. Well, the next Google show we do, we'll have to talk about implementation. You guys have it all designed, you piloted it. Now it's time to scale it up. And I'm sure there will be, that will have its own, you know, its own yeah. of lessons yeah. and strategies and all that. So we'll, we'll just keep going with this Google series uh, and just follow you guys as you go. That sounds fun. That's awesome. Sounds great. Well, thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. All right, friends, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nexus Podcast. For more episodes like this and to get the weekly Nexus newsletter, which, by the way, readers have said is the best way to stay up to date on the future of the smart building industry, please subscribe at nexuslabs.online. You can find the show notes for this conversation there as well. Have a great day.